Today's show is sponsored by BMC, and BMC wants to know, is your business on its A-game? The A-game is when systems are intelligent by learning from markets, where automation is paramount yet effortless, and when technology and people work as one in an enterprise. The A-game is your business at its absolute best. BMC calls this the autonomous digital enterprise. Find out more at bmc.com A-game. That's bmc.com A-game. Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is The Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to The Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hope everybody is doing well. We are rolling into the last week of October, kind of a crazy time. Um... You know, not only do we have uh, some big events still happening on the tech calendar, we've got AWS reInvent coming up, we've got KubeCon North America coming up, but we also have some big uh, global events like the U.S. elections are happening here in the early part of November. We've got COVID spiking all around the world. So, uh, you know, hang on to your hats. I think the last two months of the year are going to be really, really crazy, Um, hopefully in a good way, but uh, some craziness could be ahead of us. So keep everybody safe. Uh, Stay safe yourself. Stay healthy. Help your friends. Help your neighbors. uh, Do what you can to, uh, you know, be part of this community and Hopefully we can all get through it together and, and and get into 2021 with something new. So with that, let's jump right into Cloud News of the Week. A couple of interesting stories we thought we'd mention. It's going to be a, a short Cloud News of the Week. But the first one is Microsoft is building out a new business unit within their Azure division. It's going to be called Azure Space. Uh, it's going to focus on kind of the ever- evolving space sector uh, industry. So satellite data, space missions, uh, global networking. And one of their very first partners is SpaceX. So uh, Elon Musk's company, SpaceX. SpaceX is going to provide Microsoft with access to its Starlink low-latency satellite-based broadband network. And this is going to be used by uh, Azure Space for a new offering from Microsoft called the Azure Modular Data Center. So think of this as um, a little bit like the AWS offering that is the big uh, truck um, that will come and get your data. The difference is this seems to be sort of a modular all-in-one data center. So it's not just coming and getting your data and driving it back to Azure, but this is actually going to be kind of a <laughs> what seems to be uh, a refresh of something that like Sun and some other folks did more than a decade ago, uh, for those of you that might remember, they sort of did container-based data centers. Um, these are going to be obviously tied to the Azure cloud, the Azure operating model, and so forth. So interesting to see the space uh, segment uh, explode as much as it is. Uh, we just saw an announcement from NASA that there might be uh, more and more water on Mars, or excuse me, on the moon. So people are once again excited about space, which is always cool. Uh, this is probably a segment that Aaron should read because he is all into space and Mars and moon and all sorts of things. The other thing was... Um, Splunk made a couple of acquisitions this week. So uh, Splunk acquired two companies. One was um, a company called Plumber, P-L-U-M-B-R, so Plumber, uh, based out of Estonia. Very, very early uh, acquisition uh, for about $1.8 million, so just a few people. And they also acquired a company called Rigger, based out of Atlanta. Both of these were focused on the APM space. So uh, we saw... Uh, Splunk, you know, just recently roll out their acquisition of SignalFX. Um, they've been on buying spree here recently, and they are looking to expand out their APM and observability space. So both Plumber and Rigger now join Splunk or will be joining Splunk shortly. So exciting to see that space continue to consolidate in some areas and expand in other areas. So uh, very interesting space. Um, you know, 
with that, I'm going to kind of wrap up Cloud News of the Week. Wasn't a lot of news, uh, but we will be digging in more next week. There's some, all the earnings announcements are going to come out in the next week or so from the cloud providers, Microsoft and Google and Azure, AWS and so forth. So we'll see how much the pandemic has been affecting them. And obviously, we'll probably have some uh, insight as to what's going on in the U.S. election by next week or hopefully the week after hopefully sooner than later. So with that, we're going to wrap up, have an interesting conversation with our friends from Datadog coming up right after the break, talking about application profiling. Today's show is sponsored by Cloud Academy. Listen up, y'all. This is a great offer. With everyone using the same cloud platforms, winning and losing comes down to having the best talent to build products better and faster. Cloud Academy is the training platform of choice for Fortune 500 companies and thousands of tech professionals around the world. Thousands of video courses, learning paths, practical hands-on labs in real-world cloud environments, Cloud Academy has tools designed to help teams assess, build, and validate critical cloud skills. Most importantly, Cloud Academy stays agile, challenging you with new content, labs, and tons of features that ensure your skills stay relevant and everyone can level up. They cover everything from cloud certifications to DevOps to security to programming languages. You can get started now at cloudacademy.com. For a limited time, Cloudcast listeners can lock in 50% off the monthly price for life. Just put in the coupon code CLOUDCAST at checkout. It's a great way to pursue certifications or just build cloud expertise. Again, that's cloudacademy.com and use the coupon code CLOUDCAST to lock in 50% off the monthly price. Today's show is sponsored by Datadog, a cloud-scale monitoring platform that unifies metrics, logs, and traces from technologies like Istio, AppMesh, and Envoy. Plus, Datadog's service map automatically plots out the dependencies in your microservices architectures for seamless, context-rich troubleshooting. With rich visualizations, algorithmic alerting, and more than 250 vendor-supported integrations, Datadog allows you to monitor your distributed applications in real time. Start a free 14-day trial today by visiting datadog.com cloudcast, and Datadog will send you a great free t-shirt. That's datadog.com cloudcast. And we're back. And folks, as you know, we are seeing more and more companies who have become you know, really dependent on the applications that interact with their customers. The you know, it's not just software is eating the world, but software is becoming the way that we interact with our marketplaces, the way that we interact with our customers, with uh, our internal teams, how we interact with data, and so being able to have applications that are responsive, that we understand what happens when they have problems, is becoming not just critical to our business, but, you know, important as to how our businesses are perceived and how, uh, you know, customers interact with us, how they tell their friends about what they do, um, how our APIs interact with each other. And so it's important that we be able to not only understand when they're running great, but also when they have challenges. And so I'm excited today to bring on a couple of folks from our friends at Datadog to kind of help us understand what are some of the more modern techniques that are happening in terms of how we profile our applications and most importantly, make sure they're running great. So excited to have both Hugo Kazmarek and Marcus Hurt from the Datadog team. Marcus and Hugo, welcome aboard. Welcome to have you on the show. Thanks. Good to be here. Thanks, Brian. Yeah. So good to have both of you on today. Um, before we dive into it and, and also so folks can get a sense of uh, of your voices and so forth, um, Marcus, why don't you start, give us a little bit of your background and what brought you into uh, you know into the space um, in terms of what Datadog's doing engineering-wise, whether it's observability, APM, profiling. Give us a little bit of your background. Sure. Um, so my background is uh, I started a JVM company together with with friends right after school that was acquired by in several stages by American companies. Um, and then, then eventually I ended up in the Java platform group at Oracle and I spent quite a lot of time there. 
doing things that had to do with observability and 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 profiling, especially production profiling. Um, I was really quite happy there. I didn't have any plans of leaving, but I had tried to push, you know, some technology that I wanted to develop uh, for a quarter after quarter, and and they said that you know we don't have really have staffing for it right now, but you know maybe next quarter, and that happened a lot of times, and then. <clears throat> Somebody from Datadog reached out and said, "Hey, why don't you come over to us and, and build it here?" And and of course that was too exciting to turn down. So so I I moved to Datadog. Yeah, very cool, very cool. And Hugo, what about you? Um, so I I started uh, in data science, uh, technology companies, uh, software companies, machine learning companies. Um, and I joined Datadog around two years ago, wanting to build new products. I'm a product manager and I've been for the past six years. Um, and around a year and a half ago, Marcus and I started the, the profiler product at Datadog. And the main goal was to build something really new that didn't exist on the market, I would say. Um, and that would help developers immensely in shipping uh, efficient applications in production. Yeah, excellent. No, it's uh, we've you know we've we've had, we've been lucky to to work with the Datadog team for a while, and and over and over again, you know, the constant that we hear is, um, you know, the ability to to give people the freedom to go create, to have, um, you know to want to move beyond kind of the, the original core roots of, of Datadog. So it's very cool to hear that you guys have been, you know, building the thing that you've been passionate about building. Um, let's talk a little bit about, about profiling in this space that, that you guys are working in. Um, you know, production environments used to be pretty sacred. Um, you know, they were, don't touch them, leave them alone. Um, you know, we don't want them to go down. We've evolved. We've started to see, you know, people begin to understand these concepts of, of chaos and chaos engineering, and so, uh, you know, testing environments, blue green environments, and so, you know, production has become more of a place where obviously we want stuff working all the time, but we also have to be able to instrument it such that, you know, we can uh, we can deal with the fluctuations and the challenges and the the problems it have. Talk to me a little bit about this concept of profiling and and why it's such an important thing for our applications in production as opposed to maybe thinking about what we used to do in testing or or dev and test environments. Right. So profiling is, of course, uh, the the art of trying to figure out what's actually going on in your application of software profiling. And, and, um, you know, the, the, Remedy can't be worse than the ailment or the sickness. So, so you actually need to do this in a way that is very uh, low intrusive if you're trying to do this in production. So you need to be really, really careful <clears throat> about how you go about profiling things. And, and uh, I think we've done a great job there balancing the, the various kinds of data points that we want, um, but also the performance requirements for, for getting that data. And that's basically one of the things that I spent a lot of time uh, looking at, at, at Oracle. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit about this concept of, like you said, the, you know, the remedy can't be worse than, you know, like how do we find that balance mm-hmm. between, yes, I want to find and fix everything, but you know, everything has a cost, you know, whether it's CPU or memory or extra code, how do you find that balance? Yeah, you basically need to allow yourself a budget and and set set, set a goal for you to try to reach uh, in, in terms of the, the overhead. 
And you need to start looking for, for um, you know, data that you can capture in a way that is a constant um, in, in, in the cost. Uh, so somehow try to bring the problem back to, to a point where you get the data uh, at a constant cost. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, people might be prepared to to take one, maybe two percent uh, overhead in CPU for 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 doing profiling, um, but you know much more than that, and it starts becoming something that they, you know, need to pay for, <laughs> uh, even just through 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 the overhead. So you need to be ex- exceptionally careful uh, when, when you do these things. Yeah, and and how do how do you find that that people figure out what that kind of what that right number is? Is it is it a lot of experimentation or, you know, have we gotten to a point, say, with, with Java applications where we really, we kind of understand what's going to be acceptable and, and you know, where things will get too slow, for example? <laughs> yeah, so, so absolutely. We, we have done this for, for a very long time. We do know techniques and patterns that can be used to, to, to bring things uh, down uh, cost-wise and they still get us enough resolution so that we can actually solve the problems. But sometimes you get really, really surprised. <laughs> so, you know, for example, uh, we, so, so Java has this built-in um, recording engine. It's called the Flight Recorder. And that's really what's been driving the production time profiling uh, technology on the Java side of things for a very long time. And uh, there are, it's basically an event recorder. So you can think of it as a data flight recorder from, for an airplane. It records what, what is going on in, in the JVM. So both the application and the runtime. And at the end, you, you get some data out of there, um, right? And there are events, for example, for, for capturing exceptions <laughs> and errors. And we thought that, you know, Errors um, defined as they are, uh, you know, in Java, as something that is usually not recoverable. Something critical has happened. You might be have run out of heap memory. You might have, you know, you can't link anymore. Something really catastrophic has happened, and you'd think that that doesn't happen that often, right? You know, <laughs> so we had that thing on, um, and we were capturing uh, errors and. You know, I uh, an open source, frame, source framework that shall remain unnamed. Um, we're actually throwing look ahead success, which you know inherited from error. So <laughs> there goes our assumption out the door. <laughs> there were gazillions of them being thrown, um, uh, and and this is a framework that was used everywhere. So sometimes you get surprised, and you need to build something else. Yeah. Um, so we built our own exception profiler. Yeah. Okay. To handle that case. Gotcha. And, and that, that, that's what we, we started with, you know, in Java using Java Flight Recorder, but also on the other languages that we support right now, so Python and Go, and we have a lot more uh, that are in development. We try to apply the same principles uh, as we did on Java. So that means, as you said, trying to have as minimal CPU overhead as possible, and more importantly, no pauses, so no additional latency to your requests. And we've recently published uh, uh, on Datadog blog post uh, a blog on how we built the Python profiler. Okay, good. Yeah, we can we can get that into the show notes. Hugo, I want to kind of talk to you about from a from a product perspective, product manager perspective. 
you know, everything that we do these days, um, especially as we, we work in the cloud, there's always a little bit of a shared responsibility between what the application owner does and what the cloud service provides. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, kind of where Datadog's continuous profiling stops and starts and then what what's the responsibility on the customer or the application owner? Um, you know, what where is that where is that work in conjunction and, and what are the kind of the demarcation points? Um, so, I mean, the, the, if, we, if we talk frankly here, we think at Datadog that every application owner should run profiling continuously in production. And, and that for a couple of reasons. Um, one is a lot of customers told us that they discovered some things they never knew could even existed by turning it on in production. And if you relate to the to to you know ten years ago, ten years ago, uh, and I remember at my previous jobs, uh, you know, engineers would spend weeks trying to reproduce in staging um, production load and try to reproduce some issues they they experienced in prod, and and without success, as you may have guessed. Sure. And and now um, uh, you know some some of our some of our customers tell us. It's wonderful the things we were able to uncover by running profiling in prod. So it's it's like I feel it should be the responsibility of, of every application engineering team to, I would say, weekly or daily check what's happening in my code, what's weird, what's changing, and especially release after release, uh, which methods, which part of my code are less efficient now that I've released new code. And you know, we we we. I'll give another example. We we spoke recently with a large customer, and and they said, "It's cool to have that product because up until now, we've been shipping features to our services, and we've just been adding more cores to our servers, and that's it. That was the the solution for adding, I would say, features that are consuming more CPU. And now, regularly, they can check, like, okay." What's consuming more as I ship new stuff? Yeah, no, it makes makes sense. I, I would assume, you know, your your typical customer, your typical application team, it would make sense to them initially, like you said, you know, they're running it in in their development environment or their their test in QA, and then maybe originally they're they're hesitant to do it in production. What do you find is is often the the light bulb moment that says, "Hey, we should run this, and you know, we should, like you said, continuously run this in production, as opposed to just, you know, kind of a periodic thing." Is it really just? Is it a comfort level that, um, you know, it won't impact the application, or is it, you know, a certain amount of of, of new visibility and, and data insights that they just say, "Hey, I, I no longer can live without it." Have you found, you know, kind of what's that that mindset that helps them make that change from? you know, don't do this to run it continuously? Uh, as you said, so th- there are a couple couple cases. I, I think there are two main cases. One is the first one you mentioned, which is, yeah, we, we, we run it on our staging, on dev. Um, we try to see the overhead with and without. We spend a couple sprints measuring that overhead and validating that it's not going to impact prod. And then they turn it on. So those are, I would say, some conservative customers, but that are 
eager to experience. And then we have another set of customers who said, I would never run this in production. And they would do that for, and so run it only in, in staging for a couple weeks or months. And then once they see a big outage in prop, and they notice that outage has to be somewhere in my code, like caused by something in my code. And I wish I had some, some profiling data at, at, at that point. And I cannot start a profiler right away that's going to change everything. I would have wanted to have that profiling data already there. And so that's how I would say a good chunk of our customers actually start turning it on everywhere in prod. It's at their first outage when they realized they needed this data the most and they didn't have it. Yeah. And, you know, when, when you talk about profiling, is it something that you find, um, you know, applies more towards like SRE teams because, you know, they're there to sort of help make sure the application's, you know, living productively in, in production environments or is it, does it tend to apply to the application teams? Like sort of who's the, Who's the person that says, I need this the most? It's going to help me help my job the most. Who, who do you find? Is it a team? Is it a, a certain kind of role or skill that it most applies to? Um, so I think the, the first, the, the, the people that need it the most are the application engineers because profiling is going to point something that is inefficient in your code and it's, only application engineers that, you know, have to fix this part of the code and they have the knowledge of is that inefficiency kind of expected or not and they know how to fix it. But it doesn't mean that profiling is useful only to them. It can be useful, as you said, for SRE because SRE engineers constantly look at how their resources are used uh, uh, on hosts, on infrastructure, and this resource consumption can be explained by profiling. And finally, you also have the higher level management, I would say, that looks at their overall stack and that are always wondering, where can I save some money? And profiling is, I would say, the best tool to point and tell where you can save some money. And we have some, some great examples uh, of success stories internally at Datadog that we will soon publish on our blog post as well. Okay, very good. Marcus, I want to come back to you. Uh, you know, as, as somebody who's worked very closely, not only with the code, but with the developers, you know, how much, how much of a learning curve or, or how much code does a typical application team have to write in order to be able to to take advantage of these profilers? Is it you know is it a, is it a small amount of work? Is it a big learning curve to kind of understand how to instrument uh, this properly? What what's a you know if I'm a typical Java developer, a Spring developer, whatever, like how much work is it to start taking advantage of this? So it depends. I mean, <clears throat> when we're talking about profiling. There are so many different kinds of profiling that we're actually doing uh, continuously. So, so some of them are are easy, quite quite easy to you know conceptually understand. Um, so CPU profiling, for example, you can just you know do that. Look at the flame graph, and 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 as soon as you've grokked how to look at a flame graph, you can start saving money. So so. You know that that kind of profiling is something that most people are are, are quite comfortable with. 
Um, and it doesn't take that much time to, to get into the thing. Then there are other kinds of profiling that require a deeper level of understanding. And, and we're really trying to, to make it easier to, to, to work with that kind of profiling data by, by providing uh, analysis, um, right? So we might be uh, discovering that you have some, some JVM-induced pause times for Java, for example, um, something called safe points. And most people don't know what a safe point is, uh, nor do they care until they actually have to care. So, you know, if, if we discover something like that, we might, we might have a rule that, that, that triggers, and then you can go to the analysis page and we will explain what a safe point is. And we will explain why we think this might be a problem and what thread initiated this particular safe pointing VM operation and, and, and stuff like that. So it can make it easier and make it more available to you, even other kinds of profiling that we're doing that might be harder to to, to un understand <clears throat> or that you might just not have, have been confronted with before. So we're trying to make that available in a better way. <clears throat> and um, yeah, and there are a lot of different kinds of profiling uh, that we do. Yeah. So I find that to be exciting. <laughs> yeah. So let's dig into that a little more. Are, are, do you find mm -hmm. that, are there certain types of applications where profile, I mean, obviously you can say, look, every application should be doing this, but are you, do you find that there are certain types of applications, um, whether that's, you know, real time streaming things that have latency to them or, you know, something else that sort of becomes the highest priority for where to start profiling? Or does it really just depend on, uh, you know, the team saying, Hey, I, I need visibility that I didn't have before. Have you found any, any patterns in that, in that sense? Yeah, so <clears throat> it, it really depends on what, what runtime characteristics you need for your application, right? So that is something that we can't gather for you. Uh, we can't understand whether or not your application has some solid, hard throughput demands, but no demands in terms of responsiveness, or if it's something that really needs to be responsive and, and you know, you would do anything to bring, bring better response times. So, so um we, we are providing you with, with different um, metrics and different uh, numbers that might help you to, to, to understand the general idea, sort of an overview of what's going on in your application. And then you can make a decision that, hey, you know, these latencies are not acceptable. You know, mm -hmm. I can't have post times that are this large. <laughs> it's not acceptable. And then you might go look at the, you know, allocation profiling data or, um, you know, you might be totally fine with post times and all you want is throughput and, and you're maxing out all your CPUs and all you want to do is save money. So, you know, you want to be able to run your application on less hardware. So you go to the CPU profiling information and you're trying to, to, to you know, utilize, may uh, make your program execute better, um, require less CPU. So okay. it depends. Okay. So, yeah, but it, but it does seem like, you know, depending on, again, whether it's, you're trying to identify a problem or you're, you know, trying to solve a, you know, sort of solve a, a problem. Like you said, I want to reduce costs. I want to reduce latency. I want to have greater visibility. There's, yeah. there's kind of a profile that matches those, those types of problems. I, I get this, at least in many cases. Oh, absolutely. Yes. So, so we have various different kinds of profilers running that, that help you to, to solve and observe these problems. So we are kind of a little bit crazy in this area as well, <laughs> because, uh, you know, <clears throat> this thing, the continuous profiler, um, these days you actually release software 
maybe even several times a day, right? So, so you know, something might happen, um, and if you weren't continuously profiling, you might miss that entirely, right? So, so we 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 are trying to give you observability on a level that 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 allows you to go into the very nitty gritty details and associate things, right? So we're really trying to do the deep distributed tracing thing here, um, which is kind of crazy, but is because it requires you to be able to handle. Um, pretty large quantities of data. Yeah. So what, what I mean by this is, if you have a, an application that is uh, running exactly the same, you have the same version always, the input is always the same, you're always exercising exactly the same part of the code, nothing ever changes, input, you know, everything is static. Uh, then you could pretty much for whatever time period you're, you're looking at, you could basically just say, hey, I'll take 50 samples or 100 samples, whatever resolution you want. And over that time period, you perfectly randomly sample those 100 points. And you're good. That's all the data you need. Now, if you're releasing several times a day, you know, doing that on a time scale of a day is not acceptable. Right? right. So um, if you're trying to get the profiling data down and associate the profiling data down to, let's say, a long-lasting distributed trace, now that's when things become really exciting. And we can do this. Um, so, you know, we can basically get 100,000 data points per minute with stack traces and, and all kinds of profiling data and, and, and still just have, you know, two megs per minute approximately with all this data. And do some really exciting things. Interesting, very, very interesting. I, I, you know, obviously the the market around this is has really exploded a lot. Uh, Datadog is is in a lot of different places. You know, if if people are are exploring this place, um, you know, and they go, well, you know, I hear about I hear about profiling, and I hear about observability, and I hear about logging, and I hear about APM. Like, do, do you do you have sort of an easy way to explain to people, you know? Does each one of those kind of apply to a certain group or, you know, which one has the biggest impact? You know, is is profiling useful if you're not doing APM or something else? Or are they always just kind of kind of be adjacent to each other? And, and you know, the, the more visibility you have, the better. Like, how, how do you how do you make sense of kind of all the different ways that people can can get information from their applications, but not be overwhelmed, if you will. Maybe that's maybe that's sort of a, a good yeah. question for Hugo, since uh, since you're trying to manage all these. Sure. Um, so, I think the, the the most obvious answer here is yes. You need all the observability you can get, and profiling is sort of a unique visibility into your code, which which you know, APM sort of gives on a distributed level. So application by application, how long do my requests uh, uh, take by, by going through multiple services? But when you have to dig in a specific service, a specific application, uh, what's taking time there? Request per request, uh, profiling tells you that. And and I would say that's that's one of our uh, most important feature, which is what, what Marcus described before as deep distributed tracing. It's really the ability for any request to tell you which are the methods that took time and why. It, is it because they ran on CPU? Is it because the garbage collector ran at the same time or they were locked 
or any other type of data that we collect. So that that's one, but it's not just related to, to you know, application performance management. It's also related, as you said, to all the other parts of Datadog. Um, if you look at, at uh, an infra host that is, that is burning up in CPU, then you can easily explain if it's due to anything related to infra or if it's related to the application. And if it's the application, then profiling will tell you that. We also have the same types of links uh, uh, from pods, Kubernetes pods that are burning up or, or, or that are maybe crashing because of, of an out-of-memory error. Profiling can help diagnose this. So as a like first level, it's all linked together and profiling is really this new set of data that, that is really key in understanding what's happening. But also not only. You could have profiling just like that without necessarily APM. And, and one example of this is uh, companies that are running a lot of um, long data pipelines, so Hadoop jobs, Spark jobs, all that type of things that can run for hours. And in that case, you don't necessarily care about latency. You don't necessarily care about, you know, uh, uh, the time taken to execute a request, but you care about has it run on 10,000 nodes and, and like blown up my entire cluster of, of Hadoop or, or is it quite efficient to run? And in that case, you may only want profiling for this. Gotcha. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. And, and you know, and I, and I think we, we live in a world where we've never had you know, so many applications, so much data, but now the tools to to help us do it. And it, it is, it's helpful to understand when does it make sense to, to use all the tools, but also when does it make sense to, to have one that's really specific and fine-tuned for, uh, you know, for, for that application team, that SRE team. Guys, I, I want to be conscious of time. Uh, we're going to wrap up here. What's, what's the best way if somebody says, hey, th- this sounds like something that could be useful to me. What's the best way to kind of get started with continuous profiling, um, uh, you know, working with, working with you guys and, and getting started? Um, so I, profiling is, is, I think, one of the easiest tools to install at Datadog. You just uh, um, start your application with, um, with the profiler, and that's basically it you get data. You don't need to instrument anything in your code. You don't need to do anything. It just collects data and sends it to Datadog. And in, in a couple seconds or, or minutes, you will see profiles in Datadog UI. Nice. So grab the code, get started, um, have more visibility. Very simple. Well, cool. Well, Marcus and, and Hugo, thank you so much for the time today. Um, folks, as always, you know, the folks at Datadog have always been good about helping us understand these new trends, whether it's observability, profiling, uh, you know, logging at scale, being able to integrate with all these different tools so you've got visibility. So we're really appreciative that they come back and, uh, and teach us some more today. Guys, um, thank you so much for the time. Folks, as always, we appreciate you listening to the show. We appreciate you sharing with a friend, uh, giving us feedback on iTunes and the other places you get your podcast. And so for Aaron and myself, we're going to wrap it up and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 